There is nothing, absolutely nothing, like being able to serve yourself food when you need it. And that's what On Demand is about. You get to sit down at the Word of God when you can, when you're off work, when you have free time, and allow God to speak to you. So you're here with me today to have an On Demand journey. So join me today for a message that will unlock truth in your life and give you peace and blessing, I pray in Jesus' name. Enjoy today's message. Today we're going to continue our study on dreaming, and specifically today we're going to talk about dreaming with a plan. This is a study that will take us down the road, and I'm going to bear my heart today and, and be really truthful and honest with you um, about my own view of God's plan for my life and how he worked out things that were surprising to me. I want to express how um, thankful I am uh, to be married. Uh, I'm going to say this in the sermon later to Diane, who is just a blessing to me in so many ways. I feel like a person who has um, found um, for 40 years this December. God, that's, you deserve it. I need to clap for that. 40 years. Um, a wonderful person who has uh, truly been a blessing to me as a friend and just a, a lot of great things. I just appreciate her. But I want to um, make sure that I... I I, I, I'm going to share some of our church history with you in this sermon, and I'm going to share what I believe God's plan was for us. Next week, I'm going to talk about your plan for you. This week is God's plan for you. Next week is your plan, plan for you. And, and that, it's important to understand how this works, because if you are waiting for, for God to plan all of it for you, I, I think you, 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 you're, um, how can I say this? That's not how, quite how it works. He wants you to be involved in the process. There is an element of planning for your life that you get to participate in. It's not all dictated to you. Even though he already knows, you have to understand he has omniscience, so he knows what you're going to choose anyway. So he structures life in a way, that's why he can say all things work together for the good, because he knows the whole thing from beginning to end, every decision you're going to make, every choice you're going to make. So he incorporates his will into you, into your skills and gifts and talents. He doesn't plan something he knows you won't like. He wouldn't make me a musician. He knew that wouldn't work for me. But he made Ricky, my son, a musician because that works for him. And so he, he trained me up in the way that I would naturally go. He, he helped For some reason, there were things about me that I couldn't see that he could see. This boy would like to read. I didn't know that. This guy wouldn't mind speaking publicly. I never thought that. But he knew that inside of me there was something. And so what he did was he came up with a plan. Not just an arbitrary plan. A plan that says, I know Ricky and I know exactly what will ring his bell and make his life wonderful. The problem is to get him to believe that I know. And so a lot of times when you, you're trying to work with God, you've got to be clear that he's not just trying to dictate to you. He's trying to work with you. Repeat with me, please. Say, he knows me. Yeah. Isn't that your dream? You want friends who know you, right? So as we go to uh, our study today, 
I want you to notice I gave you what I call a series um, summary that goes through the next five sermons. The first sermon is today, God's plan for you. The next sermon is your plan for you, your plan for you. Third sermon is going to be about your plan to have enough. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Your plan to have enough. And have should be capitalized. I know that. No, no, I do understand that. It's life sometimes. But your plan, your plan to have enough. You, you should have enough. Money, time, resources, people, friends. You, there, there needs to be enough in your life. Sometimes we're unhappy because there's not enough of, I don't know what it is, time for you, rest for you. But how do you have enough? And then fourthly, we'll talk about your plan to build. To build. What is your strategy to build your life? There's something about setting in your mind the goals in front of you. Now, this month we're talking about planning, dreaming with a plan. Next, next, next month we're going to talk about building with a plan. Because there's a difference between planning and building. And, and I want to show you in Scripture four, 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 four chapters that are in a row. I'll show them to you next month. But there's four places in Scripture that talk about God's how, how you build and how God builds, builds and plans for us. It's amazing. You'll love it. And then we'll talk about God's plan to build our future. It's going to be just a great series of studies. But today I'm going to do a book that I know you, you study all the time, the book of Habakkuk. I'm sure you read it last week. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1. If you have a Bible, you can open it up. If you don't, you can just follow me along. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, the prophet question was, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Verse 3, why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contentions. Um, so there is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. Now, there's a little bit of a King James in this. So if you hear the little poetic sounding awkwardness, that's what that is. But there are two main things I want you to see in his, in his concern. He was burdened. And that was a hindrance to him. He could not see much of a dream because he was burdened. Because all he saw around him was strife and tension. And all you got to do is watch the news. All you have to do is be around and you just, it burdens you. It, you know, the, 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 you know, <laughs> I almost said the debates. Part, <laughs> I already let it slip out, right? It's already up. So it's just hard to see people argue. It, it, talk is one thing, argue is another. I know it's part of the process, but it, it's, it's grieving to be in strife. Some people, are, you, you, grew, you grew up in strife. You're good at it. You're a black belt strifer. Every day you argue about something. You're always unhappy about something. You're always on edge about something. You're always offended by somebody. You got to get somebody right. It's just, you just, you're addicted to it. And it does become part of the family flavor. You cuss each other. Or, you know, it's just part of the life. And it's awkward to deal with people who don't live like that. And that's one of the things that's difficult about building relationships because when you build relationships, it forces you to see what's awkward about you. That's why some people avoid relationships. Because it's going to, fa it's going to make you look at yourself. Somebody's going to say, what are you doing? Why do you say that? 
like that. And, and if you're not careful, you don't like that kind of feedback because you think everything you say is perfect. There's a great verse in the Bible that says, every man's ways are right in his own eyes. And so you, you assume that your processing, the way you put things together is okay. And so there are people who, who are not used to that. And this guy was obviously one of those people who just didn't like it. Strife and injustice all around him. And so he felt powerless and he felt as if there's no future. Well, watch what happened. God's plans for Habakkuk's future were quite different. Number one, God had a plan to intervene. This is a verse. I heard this when I was about 19 or 20 years old. And Morris Cirillo was the first guy I ever heard um, quote this verse and I was so enamored with this verse I just I remember when I first heard it I just read it over and over and over again and here's what it said look among the nations and watch Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5 be utterly astonished for I will work read this with me please come on for I will work a work in your day which you would not believe though it were told you read it out loud again one time come on I will work a work in your days which you would not what believe though it were what told you in other words, I'm going to do something, even though it looks bad now, I have a plan to do something that's amazing. So things look bad, but I have a plan. I love the fact that he says, I will intervene. If you look at the Bible holistically, you can see this is not something that he hasn't said a lot. He says in, in, in Matthew 24, 25, he says in Daniel, he says in Revelations, he says in the last days in Timothy, in the last days men will wax worse and worse, be deceiving and being deceived. And there'll be pestilence, there'll be diseases, there'll be wars, there'll be all kinds of stuff. I mean, we do what we can. You know, right now the big talk is the coronavirus, right? You know, I carry a little hand sanitizer with me, I do what I can, you know. But he said in the last days... Now, I'm not minimizing it at all. I'm just saying, you do, you do what you can. But in the last days, this is part of what is happening in the world. And so I love the fact that he says, despite what's happening in the world, I plan to intervene. And he names the intervention, and it's going to be a painful solution to this problem. He said in verse 6 of Habakkuk chapter 1, For indeed I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. It's going to be an intervention. That's my plan. I'm not going to let it stay like this. So you have to be clear. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how politically confusing it gets. I don't care how bad it is. Repeat with me, please. Say, God has a plan. Come on. God has a plan, and God plans to intervene. And he says it's not going to be painless. There is, there is a painful part of this. And specifically to them, he said in Israel, the Chaldeans are going to come and they're going to conquer and they're going to take over land. And it's going to be horrible. And he, but, but then if you read on in the book, which I'm not going to study today, he says, but I'll redeem it. I'll fix it. I'll whip the Chaldeans eventually and, and all of it will be right. But I want you to understand that there is a process. But here's the big message I want you to see. He has a plan. That's all I want you to see. He has a plan. Now, I want to describe to you some, some specific things about his plan that you can learn from. The first thing I want you to notice in chapter 2 of Habakkuk, that the plan of God is, number one, written. It's written. It's not just spoken. It's written. You know why there's a Bible? Because God knows you and me. You make up stuff. <laughs> he just said, no, write this down. No, I told you. 
There's something about the power of, the, of a written page. There's something about writing down what you promise to do. I almost think you need to do that before you get married to somebody. I think you just write down, what you going to do, what I'm going to do. What you going to pay, what I'm going to pay. There's something about having a clear written set of goals and objectives. So listen to what he says in, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and do what? Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Writing on a tablet was not hard, easy work. You know, think of the Flintstones. This is like you got to really work at this. There's no pen and paper here. I want you to write the vision and make it plain. Say that again. Come on. Write the vision and make it plain. There's something about a written vision. So if you want to learn from God, plan like him. Write it down. So here's a question. Where is your written vision for your life? Where is the plan written at? You're dreaming a dream. That's good. But you're dreaming without a plan. What is the plan? When we started the series, I told you that in order for you to uh, dream again, you needed to have a clear understanding of how to do it. The first month, I told you, you need to have a strategy. The whole month was on strategy and the importance of developing a strategy. The second month, I said, you got to be mature. It's not for babies. This month, you got to have a written plan, a documented set of goals. A strategy without a plan is not going to work. We're gonna ma- the strategy is to make our family better. That's good. The fa- strategy is we're going to spend more time together. That's good. Okay, now how? What's the plan to do that on a daily basis? In the next seven days, how will we make sure that that strategy is implemented? That requires a plan. Now, so what is your plan? So you're praying and you're asking God, but you have no plan. Father, I pray for you to give me money. Good. Okay, now what's the plan? The strategy is good, but the plan. I want to grow in my attitude. I want to deal with my temper. Okay, good. You, you've got a good strategy. I want to improve my temper. But I, I, the plan is that when I get angry, what are you going to do? I'm going to separate myself, call somebody, pray. I don't know. Come up, what, what's the written steps you're going to take? Until you can identify that, it's just a strategy. And it doesn't go far. And you end up looping into frustration over and over again because there's no plan. So do me a favor, look at your neighbor real nicely and say, please write it down. Come on, come on. Please write it down. Write it down. You can do your notes in your phone. You can do it anywhere you want to. You don't have to have anything deep, you know, and you don't have to write a lot. Somebody was talking to me after the last service last night, and I said, you don't have to write a lot. You just can write bullet points. I plan to work out twice a week, starting on, starting on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I plan to walk at least, you know, three times a week, and I plan to walk for 20 minutes briskly around my table at my house. If you don't want to go outside, you know, I plan to, you know, you, you, have, to, you have to say what you're going to do. I've discovered that that is one of the best things you can do. So you have to, number one, write down the plan. Number two, you have to understand that when you write the plan, God says, be clear that, that it's guaranteed. So God's plan was written and God's plan was guaranteed. Look what he said in verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, there's a statement right there. Wait for it. Because it will surely come and it will not tarry. The tarrying part is what we don't like about God's plan. Have you ever felt like he promised you something, but it ain't, it ain't got here yet? 
Your husband hadn't showed up yet. You've been waiting for how long now? He's been looking for him. And wife hadn't come yet. Job hadn't come yet. Money hadn't come yet. I, I struggle with this tarrying part. But here's what I've learned about the tarrying part of God's plan. It's always smart. Waiting on God is a good thing. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, Isaiah said. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's something about being patient in the Terry process. Our church has gone through Terry seasons where we waited on God. We thought we understood God's will. But God knew something that we didn't know because he's all-knowing. So he looked down from heaven and said, oh, they're excited. That's good. They're excited about the work of God. They want to touch souls and shape lives. Oh, look, they're growing. This is good. This is good. They're, they're booming at the seams. Man, they're feeling rich now. Boy, they got about close to $3 million a year. They're feeling like, oh, they got money. Oh, and you can do things now. You can get things, have a fundraiser, raise $400,000. Oh, God, God Almighty. Oh, we're rich now. Come forward that. God, let's, let's touch more people's lives. 450000 the next year. Oh. Boy, we above your normal giving. You feel like, man, we we shaking the world for God. Hey, so you come up with a plan. The plan you come up with, there's a problem with the plan. You can't see everything. Say that with me, please. Come on. You got to put hand signals with it. Come on. So you can't see everything. Come on. You can't see it. Can't see everything. Can't see everything. So you get your plan all together. In 2007, you're going to build you a big old building. Praise God. You're all excited. Oh, greater vision, greater harvest. Going to build a big. And, but you don't see 2008. <laughs> you start planning in 2005, 2006. You feel really excited. But you don't know that the iPhone's coming in 2007. The iPhone and the iPad's coming in 2010. Can't see. Can't see everything. But you're all excited and God is moving and people are coming and the chairs are filled and everybody's in here and everybody's in church at that time because they couldn't stream in. So they had to come. So some of y'all would be in the building right now. But see, now you're in your pajamas. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Watch this. Watch this. How many of you stream sometime? Raise your hand. Come on. Put your hands up. Confess. There you go. Almost everybody. Lord have mercy. Everybody streams. So, so back here, 2006, 5, you can't see. You're all excited. You're thrilled. And then you start raising money and God starts blessing and things start happening. And you're feeling good. But the Lord sits high and looks low. And he says, oh, well, mm. yeah, I know you're excited now. I know. But you don't really want. You think you want a $50,000 mortgage a month, but you don't really want that. Come on, talk to me, somebody. You, you really don't want that. Some of y'all saying, oh, no, no, you really don't want that every 30 days. And the Lord says, I know you're excited. I know you're thrilled, but here's what's got to happen. You need to tarry for a little bit. And you need to tarry, and I want, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the money you're going to raise, and uh, I want you to buy all the land around you. So you bought the land around. You bought an apartment complex around the corner. You did, okay, I want you to do that. That's a better plan. And then here's a strategy. It's amazing. I got a better plan than you've got. Now watch this. This is amazing. You're going to build 2,000 seats. That's what your plan was. Because you got 1,000, 1,200, 1,500 coming. So why would you build? Why would you? Well, 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 well praise God. You got three, four services. Get down to two services. Build a bigger building. Everybody come one or two times. That'd be it. But that ain't what y'all want to do. You want to come when you want to come. <laughs> Hello. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Oh, yes. I'll tell you what I think you want to do. But then y'all look at me and say, we're not doing that. I have a plan, but see, God looks high, sits high, looks low, says, oh, no, they're not going to do that. Not going to do that. Here's what's going to happen. The world's about to change when you're Rick and you can't see it. In 2007, streaming's going to come online. 
And when streaming comes online, now I want you to watch this. You ready? Watch this. I'm, look for me. One more time. Now keep your hands up. Don't put them down. How many of you stream sometime? Put your hand up. Look around this room. Say, have mercy. Put your hands down. That means y'all don't come every week. So here I am building seats I don't need. Here I am about to take on a mortgage that I don't need to take on. Because you're going to be home watching me. And that's okay. We had 2,000 people on Easter Sunday in the building. The highest we ever had was 3,000 on Easter Sunday morning. That's the highest number we ever had in the building. Last year, we had 2,000 some in the building, and we had 2,400 at home. 4,000 some of our people, and that's conservatively counting. Can you give God a big hand clap for that? Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Our in-house attendance has been down 15% over the, since 2015, but our online is up 166%. Our on-demand is up 350%. It's amazing. So people are choosing. They're using the app. They're using, the, they're using all the technology. So here's my point. God sits high and he looks low. He says, sometimes I have you tarry because it's the best thing for you. You didn't need a husband this year. Pause. Think about it. <laughs> you didn't need one. Some of you got married. Say, so you know, he right. You already married. You say, oh, Jesus, I wish I'd heard that word a year ago. I wish I shoot. <laughs> and some of you are about to get married. You're going to rethink this thing. Now, let me see. Do I want? I heard a woman tell me something was so powerful. She said, <laughs> she said so, Pastor Rick, I, I just don't want no man telling me what to do. That's what she says. She says, I like being married, but I don't want a man telling me what to do. And some men say, I just don't want to take care of no woman. So, I mean, they got, they, look, listen, you need to tarry until you're sure. Can I get an amen, somebody? Write the vision, make it plain, though it tarry. Let it tarry sometimes. Because now, watch this, I'm sure how the plans change. Now we're going to build a building. We are, but we're only going to add, watch this, it's going to shock you, about 400 more seats. Hold your fingers up, 400. That's it. That's it. Why? Because y'all home. I don't need that many more seats. Because you're home. We'll invest in other things. We won't increase the mortgage. We'll keep the mortgage about where it is. We're going, we going which way we're going? That way. We're going out of debt. Praise God. That's a better plan. If we had the money to do what we planned to do, we would have created debt for the future. And all the young children would have had to pay for it. Now, you know, last time I called a young person up here, you just imagine a young person and passing all that debt. Son, I'm sorry. How you doing? I love you. You do me a favor? Please, come here for a second. Come here for a second. Come here for a second. Here, Pastor Rick going to give you $20 after church for doing this for me. Okay? This is a $20 deal. You take that? Amen. See, that's right. Stand up there for me. How many of you want to get this boy a whole bunch of debt? How many want to pay? How many want to put him under a financial load? No, that's not fair. That's what we're about to do. But thank God, we're not going to do that to you, man. We're going to send you some money in the future. Amen? Check me after church. 20 bucks. Give that man a big hand. He got some money today. I ain't got it with me right this second, but I... Hey, <laughs> y'all say, you better find $20 before you leave this building, Pastor Rick. You make sure I find, hook that brother up, okay? Yeah, but I mean, it, it's, it's it, it, what's really sad is God's trying to plan a better future, and if we're too proud to get up and say, we were doing our best, but he said, Terry, 
Terry, pause. Ten years. We had a guy come to our school when I was an undergrad in theology. He, we had a guy named Moody. He was a famous Baptist preacher. And he came, he came and he said, students, when you got a plan from God, how long will it take on average before it comes true? He said, at least start with 10 years. I said, we need to get another speaker. <laughs> Brought him in here 10 years. Who got that long to wait? You know, when you're 19, you don't want to hear that. I want to hear now. But you're not ready for now. Starting the business and you don't know what you're doing. You need to tarry. Wait a minute. Pause for a minute. Something profound about the story that touched my heart and mind. I love Habakkuk. The plan of God was written. The plan of God was guaranteed, but the plan of God required faith. Verse 4, famous verse, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him. His soul is not upright in him. But the just shall live by faith. Can't be too proud. Stop the train and say, let me tarry. Let me make this. I'm, I'm, I'm not in the right frame of mind at this stage. I need to tarry. I'm already compromising in my walk with God. I need to tarry. Now, there are four things that could have hindered not only, um, but it could have hindered my life. I, I thought it'd be fun to take a turn. I've talked about Habakkuk, and I've talked about how God had a plan for him. And now I thought it'd be fun to close this out. We're talking a little bit about my journey, which I thought was fun. And these are things that could have hindered me and God's plan for my life, but they didn't. It's amazing. God looked at me and God saw, looks like he looks at you and he sees your imperfections. But he has a way of getting you through them. Here are three things that could have, four things that could have hindered me. First of all, come on, say my age, my real estate experience exposure. Come on, say my real estate exposure. My business experience, my academic strength. I was 22 years old when I got married. 22. You could say, wow. <laughs> that's young. It is. That's young. I was 23 when I started pastoring. 23 years old. You can go wow again. When I became the pastor of this church, I was 23. My waist size was 27. 28. What is it now? 35. I didn't ask you to guess. Who that guess it out loud? Guess it. But I, it, was, it was amazing. I mean, I, I mean, I was, oh my God, that's enough. I'm not going to say anymore. But I, I, I look back and I think, that's young. There's a risk in that. And th there's a whole lot of backstory that probably I was an old young person. But uh, one person from Atlanta wrote a letter, said he's the young man with the old head. And that, that's been true. I've always, um, um, that, that's a whole story in itself. My age could have been a hindrance to me. My real estate exposure, you know, pastors manage a lot of real estate. And um, from the beginning, I, I jumped into real estate issues. And um, my real estate experience was amazing. I never, I never closed a property until our facility on East Broad Street. I was 25 years old when I first closed the property. And when I called the lawyer and he, he told me, he said, okay, Ricky, we're going to close. Pastor, we're going to close. And I, I didn't know what he meant. And I hung up the phone. And I thought, what does he mean by close? I didn't know what that meant. So you know what I did? I called him back. And, you know, you don't know. You try to sound dig dignified. So I said, um, 
Well, uh, I just thought I'd call back to ask one question. What do you mean when you say closed? Like real. <laughs> in other words, I don't know what you said. And here's why. Because I lived in apartments all my life. Yeah. Wow. Until I got married. I didn't have a house until I was 28. The first property I ever closed was church property. I didn't know what I was doing. I had to read, ask questions. Try. No internet. You had to go to the library. Look it up. Dress up and pray you get it right. My business experience, I, I had no business mentoring. Nobody really mentored me. I, I just asked. I, went, I had to go find people. How do you do this and how do you do that? I had to ask. Mary, Mary, uh, I don't know if Mary's in here now, but Mary, uh, yeah, she is. Mary used to laugh at me all the time. Mary, would you do me a favor? I'm going to let you come up here. I want you to come up here for a second. Come up here. Get that mic. I know. I know you hate it. I know you hate it, Mary. Come on. It's okay. Give Mary, Mary Nelson a big hand. Come on. Come on. Give Mary Nelson a big hand. Come on. Mary, Mary is so funny. You're going to love this. Because if I tell the story, Mary, it's not like when you tell it. It really is not. You used to say that I used to, and hold this mic for a second. Okay, you knew me way back when I, back in my early 20s, right? Yes. Right, right. So, so you say you should dress up every day. Yes. Right? Yes. And I used to come by the store you worked at. Yes. Eat lunch with you guys, right? Yes. And tell me about, and you said I used to rush back. What did you say? Well, Pastor used to come by the store every day and eat lunch with us. And around 12, 30 or something, he'd be leaving. I said, well, why are you rushing? He said, because uh, I'm going, you know, go back to church. I said, you ain't got that many people. <laughs> 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 but one thing I can say about Pastor, he was just as faithful then with all these people he has now. With the 35 or 40 or 50 people we had then. Amen. I'm telling you, he was right on time. He never missed a beat. He had his little briefcase and all the other stuff he worked with. <laughs> <laughs> but he was never late. He was always on time. So you teach me about briefcase. It wasn't in there. Ain't nothing in yeah, there. You yeah, see? Yeah. <laughs> <I said. laughs> but you know, he was secretary. He was a janitor. He, was, he, he did it all. Pastor did it all. Thank you, Mary. God bless you. <laughs> wow. Oh, thank you. That's a loan I got. $20. I want you to know you was paid in full, my brother. No, no. I'm giving it to him. I owe that brother that money. Now, you can pay me back. No, no. <laughs> oh, man. There's, you know, there's something about... about Inexperience, but hunger. The, the, the ver- I love this verse in, in Matthew 5. It says, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after what's right. They will be filled. When you want to do what's right, when it's in your mind and heart to do what's right, he shows you. I had no real, real business or management experience, but my mama taught me how to work hard. Get up out that bed, boy. Come on now, son. You don't want to be that brother. Ricky! Yes, ma'am. <laughs> that's what I used to do. <laughs> I know that's not you getting up. I know you clowning. Get up out that bed, boy. You going to school today. I want you to clean this house up. But when I get home, I want this house clean. I ain't but me and you in here, so you need to clean up, okay? Make up your bed when you get out the bed, sir. Hang up your clothes, sir. Hmm. It's tough when you own the child. She ain't got nobody else to bother but you. 
<laughs> you by yourself. Full-time harassment. Last thing that could hinder me, my academic strength. <laughs> I was never mentored early in my life to be an excellent student. I was told not to fail. I was told don't bring Fs home. That's all I was told. So I was a C student with an A potential. I've gone through three years of a master's program, and I've gone through one year of a doctorate program. That's four. I'm entering my second year of a doctoral program, and I have had a 4.0 average all the way through. All the way through. Now, that's because I've been mentored. I didn't know how to read a book. I didn't know how to study. I had a potential. But all of those are things that could have hindered me from a dream that God planned for me. God's plan wasn't a problem, but there were deficits. But I want you to see how he got me through it. And there are four things I want to close with. God's plan changed my life. And here's how he did it. Here's how he got me from here to there. And here's how he's still moving me. Number one, he planned a new social environment for me. I had to have new friends. I would never have achieved anything without being open to having new people in my life because they brought something. They brought disciplines. They brought, you, you, some of you take great pride in having nobody in your life, and that is not good. Here's what God told Adam. It's not good for man to be alone. You are not ever going to be as strong by yourself as you would be with a team. That's why I believe in church membership. I believe in association. I believe in, I believe in, and I tell you all the time, judge me by my friends. If you want to judge me, judge me by the people that I hang with. They tell you my story. Number two, he planned a new academic environment for me. <laughs> Says Temple, listen, you tried a year at junior college, um, that, that, man, what was that? Running from class to class, stuff, just taking classes, didn't make any sense. Didn't really have any guidance counselors then. He just kind of jumped into it. <sighs> Jesus. But when I got to Bible college, I loved the Bible. I loved the Word. And it was the place that it all started for me. Life Pacific University is where I went in Los Angeles. That was the change of my life. That was the place I spoke there last year at their um, new, uh, they have a new president and uh, she invited me to be the first female president they had in almost 100 years and they invited me to be the main speaker and I, I, I remember standing there saying how much this place has changed my life. But he had to put me there. It wasn't USC, that was down the street from my house. University of Southern California, that wasn't a school for me. UCLA was not far either. That was about uh, 10 miles away. I needed to go to Life Pacific University on Glendale Boulevard across from Echo Park in Los Angeles. That's where I needed to go, a small, intimate school that could help me think and find my academic wings. <laughs> Fourth, thirdly, he planned a, a new spiritual environment for me, something that I could understand. It was practical. And then lastly, he planned a, a new love for me. He gave me Diane. I want to make this guy what I planned for him to be. And I need him to be open to a new spiritual environment, a new academic environment. I need, I need him to say no to all these other people that want to date him or he wants to date. I need him to wait for Diane. I need him to tarry until she shows up. She lives on the other coast. And one day, 
He's going to walk into a Bible study in a home, 3111 College Street in Thunderbolt, Georgia, while on break as a junior from college, preaching on a preaching tour. And a friend's going to invite him to a house, and nobody knows that his life is about to change. I went to meet a friend on Bull Street, and the friend was speaking as a guest speaker at Overcoming Faith Ministries at a house in Thunderbolt. And God said, send Ricky Temple to that house. And Ricky Temple didn't know how to get there, but his friend said, I know how to get there. I'll take you. I said, Thunderbolt song was on a long way. He said, but I know the way. And I got in his car and he took me and I walked up in the house and they were singing. And Liz, stand up, Liz. Liz was playing the piano. She was our main piano player for many years. Give her a big hand. Liz Albright. She's our main piano player. And Liz was playing, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I did not know the Lord was talking to me when I came in the door. This is the day, Temple. This is the day your woman's in here. Come on up. Your wife is up right now. This is the truth. This is the day. (laughs) And man, I walked in that house. Lord, have mercy. And she was up speaking. And I didn't know who she was. And I stood there. And as I walked in there, the plan of the Lord was in motion. That's the first first person I heard speak was Diane when I came into church. It was in their house. About 40 people gathered in a big den they had. And when they finished, the last thing the guy said, my friend who was speaking, he said, I prophetically see something. He said, I see buildings. And I see thousands of people. And I looked around, I said, I see a house. <laughs> I did but exactly what I said. I said, wow, they got a lot of faith, man. But the Holy Spirit said, but you can't see what I can see. I'm going to send you. You're going to marry her. And you're going to become the pastor of this church. A year from now. A year and a half from now, you're going to be the man in charge. A year and a half from now, I'm going I'm to raise you up. God's got a plan, folks. God's got a plan. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together. Father, we thank you for the word today and all that's been said. We thank you for these 38 minutes. We pray that the word has helped and lifted the lives of those who've heard this message. May they realize that God does have a plan for them. And sometimes they got to tarry a little bit, not be frustrated, and trust you. And believe that you have the best plan for them. I ask you, Lord God, to move by your spirit. Bring grace and healing to those who've heard this message, both here and at home. And may they be inspired to trust God's plan. But may they begin to write down their own plan for themselves. May they not be afraid to write it down and say, these are the things. These are the things that I want to do for me. And God, may you give them guidance as they write the plan. And I give you the praise and glory. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you hear it, you say, Pastor, after hearing you today, the plan I need is a plan to start a walk with God because maybe that's been my biggest issue. Uh, you may be a great person and you may mean really, may mean well and maybe doing the best you can, but you need a little help. You need, you need to start a new walk with God. You need to say, Lord, I, I can't do this on my own. 
And so if you want me to pray for you, because you really want to start a walk with Jesus, just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. I see two, I see three, I see four, I see more. God bless you all. Father, bless those who raise their hands and many who raise their hearts. Touch them today. Let this be the beginning of a new life with you. I pray the Holy Spirit would bring healing and blessing to them. And I pray that this would be the time they say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. And I give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. I want to encourage you to do a couple things. Well, I pray you enjoyed today's message. I pray that it lifted you up. You know, the Bible said the word of God can go down to the very marrow of the bone. It can reach into the very deep parts of your soul. And I hope you were blessed today. If you like the message, it helped you. Link it and send it to a friend. I really appreciate you being with us today. And I pray that God will use this word to bless you and many others. You have a blessed day. God bless.